Hello, everyone. Once again, it's Michael Litchens here talking with Father Mark Mary Ames, one of the many, many great monks over with the Fries for the Renewal. And he has a new book out called Habits for Holiness, Small Steps for Making Spiritual Progress. Uh, so, Father Mark Mary, just start us off here with your book that's subtitled Big Spiritual Progress. What does spiritual progress even look like for many of us who haven't had the time or the energy to do it? Hey, yeah, Michael, thank you again for, for having me. Uh, it's a, a great joy and, and privilege to, to be with you. You know, I think, um, I think maybe where we want to begin is just by that reminder of, of what we're made for and what we're doing, mm. which is, you know, we're, we're here on this earth to, to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We're, we're here, um, like the, the spiritual component of our life. Uh, it's really, it's really the why it's the why we're here mm. to share in the life of God. Right. And we're on this, this shared journey. And so I think, you know, it's, that's, that's probably step one. It's probably step one is just to, to take seriously the spiritual life and, and the hope of, of habits for holiness is, um, you know, to respond to what I am encountering on a day-to-day people, day-to-day basis, which is, you know, there are many lay people, who are very, very, very sincere about their relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, they really want to follow Jesus. And some of them, you know, in pretty radical ways. And, um, but they don't always know what it looks like. And so in, in my kind of, my hypothesis is that we don't so much have a, a sincerity question or sincerity problem as much as a strategy one. And so the hope of the book is just to like, okay, here's what, here's, here's, here's what this could look like in your prayer life, a prayer routine, in your family, in your community, with uh, the liturgy, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you can talk about a couple traditions from the Franciscan tradition, uh, but particularly you talk about a three by five examine. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us a little bit about that and what that is? Of course. And if, if I can, I'll just, I'll root it in, um, I'm going to contextualize it. A little mm-hmm. bit because it's it's one application of what i would propose to be a, a bit of a, a deeper um way of life yeah and great great because i'm i've been fascinated by just reflecting upon not just the franciscan tradition mm-hmm. but the the patrimony that we all have as christians and as catholics of the um the life lived by by monks by nuns by religious throughout the centuries um we have Something like, depending on where you want to start, it's 1,700 or plus years mm. of men and women who day and night with their entire lives have, have given themselves over both to the spiritual life and they're, they're experts in spirituality, but they're also experts in humanity. And, and just reflecting on looking up across the centuries, but also looking at our times across um, nationalities and cultures. And, and I, I'm just going to like paying attention to to anything that all of these groups have like consistently, like what do they have in common? And one of, one of the things that they have in common is some sort of way of life or some sort of rhythm, which is, is um, punctuated by times of prayer. And so that's like, that's really the first proposal mm. for the laity as well is it does, it's not going to look the same as it does for a Franciscan or a monk, sure. but having some sort of intentional, um, time of prayer, because I think this is where the humanity part comes in. Like if we're not intentional, um, we're probably going to end up getting, we're probably not going to do it, you know? And, um, so one way to pray intentionally 
and to punctuate or to anchor our days um, in, in, in the Lord, in our relationship with the Lord, which we do want to prioritize is, is this, it's called a three by five examine, which mm-hmm. I actually received was taught about by a Jesuit priest. And um, it's an invitation to, it's maybe a five minute, it can even be less than a five minute time of prayer sometime in the middle of the day. Ideally, it's something consistent where you look, you look at the first half of your day and you think about, okay, where are, where are five things, like five things I can be grateful for? Like what are, what are five ways in which the Lord has provided or blessed me? Five just joys I've experienced in the first part of my day. And then the second would be five places where maybe we failed. Maybe we sinned. Maybe we were short or impatient with somebody and ask God's mercy. And then you look forward to the second half of your day and think, okay, what are five what, what are five things that are going to happen? Five conversations, five experiences, five difficult moments oh. that I can ask the Lord to go before me and, and invite him into those. And it's super practical. It's super easy to do. Um, and it's a really beautiful way, I think, to live intentionally and to re- re-anchor with the Lord, like in the middle of the day. It sounds like it. And you, you mentioned that line that if you're not intentional, you're likely not going to do it, which is... I think something I, a lot of people have experienced, but the other ha- side of it is what a lot of people, very busy families can strive for holiness. It's just insane to you, especially to try to bring others together. Do you think there's any importance to maybe praying as a family group or anything like that, that can help with that? Yeah, of course. You know, 100%, 100% understanding as well that um, like we're going to do the best we can. Of course, And, you know, for, for a lot of families with either young children or kind of around as they grow older, like you're just not 100% in control of your circumstances. And, mm. and so, you know, it's not going to necessarily look pretty, but, but certainly I do think that there's, there's, um, there's a, a value to, to kind of putting in some of the effort, some of the prayer, some of the creating some of the, the kind of brain space to troubleshoot. How are sometimes that we as a family, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think ideally if we can get together every night for dinner, that would be, that would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but understanding as well, like that, that may not be practical. Um, but can we get a family meal together if we're not praying at all together or we're not eating at all together, particularly prioritizing Sunday? Um, I think that's, I think, yeah, some time together around meals would be huge. Um, but also like, okay, so like what can, what can praying together as a family look like? Um, and, and there's, there's, there's 100% space for creativity, mm-hmm. but I do think like we just begin with, okay, um, we want to pray some, we want to make some time for prayer together um, as a family each week. Let's schedule it in. Maybe it's, we're going to have family brunch and then we're going to have maybe 20 minutes together. It could be, it could be five minutes after dinner or before dinner, but, but something like that is going to go a long way. And maybe to add one element to it, um, one of my great desires or kind of responses, the hope was from, from the book is to those parents who really uh, maybe are tempted to discouragement. Um, they, mm. they, they deeply cherish the faith and want to hand on the faith. But looking at the world, there can be like a fear of like, is it, is it going to be possible in the next 10, 15, 20 years to raise children who are disciples? And, and from my experience and from listening to others, 
I think the common wisdom now is that um, the most sort of the most effective means to hand on the faith to our children or, or a most effective means is by having some sort of regular spiritual conversations. It's when we kind of have these informal times where as a family, we talk about the faith that the importance of them, of the faith, like can really sink in. And so um, some prayer time, some time just to talk about the faith is going to do wonders for the children um, taking ownership of the faith as well. Good answers. And there's something you talk about in your book that you talk about contentment and its need kind of as a first step towards leading to deeper joy. Can you tell us a little bit about what contentment is? Sure. Great. And that, that word again, so some of the, Mm-hmm. The vision, the overall arc of, of Habits for Holiness for the book is, is taking some of the principles of, mm-hmm. of the Franciscan life insofar as for 800 years, we've been doing the work of following Jesus in the midst of kind of the world, in the, in the midst of the hustle and bustle. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, one of the, the pillars of our life, one, one essential component is our life of simplicity. Mm-hmm. And I certainly understand that our life of evangelical poverty is not at all what the lady is called to, mm-hmm. but we have this, this beautiful, I think, sentiment uh, disposition. That's part of our, our constitutions, part of our rule that the friars are to be content with the minimum necessary and not the maximum allowed. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially it's, um, you know, it's like, we have to learn to say that that's enough. You know, we have to, 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 to develop this habit of saying, okay, you know what, like, um, whatever, maybe I, I have, I have four or five suits and I want to get another one, but you know what, maybe four or five suits is enough. Or maybe, you know, I had whatever, I had two cookies and I want four cookies, but at some point you have to say, okay, you know what, actually two cookies, I could have more, but I'm going to be okay with two cookies. And the reason why I propose contentment as a value for the laity or why simplicity and poverty are so important for us is that the reality is that as human beings, we have limited resources. We have limited time. We have limited energy. We have limited mental space. And so the more we're spending time, energy, resources on the accumulation of goods or of experiences, well, then, then we're, then we're, we're just, we're spending, if you will, the, the energy or the time that we could be having for growing in relationships with family, friends, but also with the Lord. And, um, I did a little, com- I had a little conversation, a little interview with a couple of college students the other day, and they were asking about how much time we pray. And, uh, the, like the, the friars in our life, we have four or five hours of prayer every day. And again, realizing that's not what most people are called to, but they were like shocked. They're like, how can you have that much time of prayer? And I just, you know, proposed to them, you know, like the numbers say that the average college student is spending upwards of four hours of screen time every day. And so simply like, we don't have, we don't have uh, cell phones or, or, mm-hmm. or personal computers or internet or TV. And so by, by removing that from our life, we can fill it up with prayer. And again, what that looks like for a friar is going to be different for a layperson. But the principle, I think, uh, stands is that um, the more time you're using consuming or pursuing maybe um, the material goods, well, that's, that's energy that isn't going to necessarily be available for prayer or for, for relationships sometimes. And so there's a balance, 100%. 
But I think it's I think it's a principle, to, a good principle to, to reflect on. Yeah, absolutely. To change gears just slightly, your order, the Friars for the Renewal, does a lot of work with the poor and, and the homeless and other folks, especially in the South Bronx. Do you see that there's that working with the poor and pursuing that area of work can also be an area for making spiritual progress? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you know. Um, it's it's hard to quantify. I think the value of yeah. of work with with the poor. You know, um, I think it's it is good. What was what was fascinating to me is after years of being a Franciscan, I didn't really realize that that you know um, in the story of, of of Paul, Paul has his conversion and he goes on and he's and he's doing his work of evangelizing, particularly mm-hmm. with an emphasis on um, you know on the Gentiles, and he has this this conversation with. There's a, it, it's in Galatians. He goes to he goes to Rome or to Jerusalem, and he has this meeting with, with if you will, the pillars with James, John, yeah. um, James, John, and Peter. And it's fascinating. Is in Galatians it says, you know, we we had like the handshake of fellowship, and they just encouraged me on what I was doing. They just said they had one thing, and they insisted that I was mindful of the poor. The one thing I had always been sure to do, and it's. I think it's really fascinating that from the very beginning of the church, our our fathers who walked with the Lord, um, they knew that essential to discipleship, essential to the mission of Jesus, was being mindful of the poor. And I'm, I have no doubt they learned that from his own example, from the Lord's own example. But also mm-hmm. they learned that through his teachings, right? Like we have the parable, the Matthew 25 parable of that what you did for the least of my brethren, you did it for me. And so there's... There's 100% insofar as we as Christians are called to continue on the mission of Jesus, an essential component of that is going to be our work with the poor. And I would say that there is a, um, right, that, that what you did for the least of my brethren, you did it for me, that there's, there's a fullness of our encounter with Jesus, which is filled out and fulfilled when we include in that the encounter with Jesus in the distress and disguise of the poor, as Mother Teresa would say. And so, um, I think to even have a, a more full um, Christian life, to have an even more full encounter with the Lord um, and to live out the fullness of the gospel exhortation, work with the poor or some sort of care of the poor mm-hmm. um, ought to be a part of our life. Um, what that looks like, again, it's going to vary depending on, on state and life, upon um, resources, et cetera. But at least being, again, being open to and mindful of, of the cry of the poor, I think is essential. It's definitely, I agree with you 100%. It's an essential habit and something that's very hard to do nowadays. I think especially if uh, while restrictions are loosening here, we still have COVID restrictions here in Colorado and a lot of people are still staying isolated. What can people do during that isolation to still encounter the poor or their neighbor or others in a way that will help them through their spiritual life. Yeah, 100%. I think that's great. I think, you know, um, work with the poor doesn't have to be plugging into a program, right? Work with like yes. work, work with the poor, it can be as simple as uh, calling on a regular basis your grandmother or grandfather who uh, you know, is is alone and maybe more isolated at this time. Mm. Um, it can it can certainly be by making material like donations to organizations who are able to continue to work with the poor. But I, w- I would just say like, take a, take a second, 
who in your life, who of your, your family or your friend group could just use a phone call, who could just use a little bit of a friendship, a reach out. I think that that's a beautiful way to start. And, you know, I think, I think it was Mother Teresa's own words that there's, there's like the greatest poverty is, is the poverty of loneliness. And um, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, again, plug into some sort of larger organization to reach out to somebody who might be lonely. <laughs> yes, you definitely don't have to wait for, yeah. for a guide yet, as hard as that is. Uh, particularly, I think, for some people who, in our days, we're kind of just taught that isolation is sort of the norm, but it's hard to remember that we are actually made for e- to be social for each other and that we do need each other, even if we don't always remember that. Yeah, 100%. And you think so, yeah, because it's when you're saying that, Michael, do you think that people feel like isolation is the norm, like even outside of COVID time? Do you think that's just kind of the live reality or do you think it's especially uh, felt during these times? I think we're uh, uh, like, I remember the guardian did a great article even far back as 2015 talking about how loneliness was literally killing people. Like, you know, we could trace a lot of people's deaths to them, just the pressure and the feelings of loneliness they have. But I think COVID has just inched that up a great notch. So it's hard for people to really see outside of that norm, but COVID just made it worse. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's, I think that is a, it's a beautiful, it's an important area to look at, an important poverty to look at. It might not be the classic one or mm-hmm. one of the classic ones, but uh, oh, I think people feel it. Yeah, I would just confirm what you're saying. I think people feel that pretty deeply. Yeah, I guess uh, with that in mind, is there something in the spiritual life that can help people to not feel that crushing isolation or loneliness in their lives? Yeah, I, I think there's. I think it's a both and answer, yeah. meaning you know, absolutely one hundred percent relationship with the Lord and and a real prayer life is, um, it's part of it's. We need it. We mm. need it. You know, and there isn't. There's an intimacy and a fullness which we can only experience or can only be uh, fulfilled through the Lord, right? Um, you know, like some people talk about having like a God-sized hole or something, you know, something like that. But but there is there is a part of us which can only be fulfilled by God. And so that's like, yeah, regular prayer 100% is part of the remedy. But also, as the Lord has showed us from the very beginning, he, he, um, he called disciples together. From the very beginning, he brought together a mm-hmm. communion of persons. And the it's discipleship is it's i say like discipleship it's it is it's like it's a it's a team sport it's a communal journey and so um again as much as possible being proactive in uh plugging into some sort of group it could be family it could be friends um it could be a part of another group that like your parish may offer but but really i think plugging into a group like that if you're looking for asking the lord to send you a group like that um, we're just, we are made for communion and we're made to follow the G, follow the Lord together. And, uh, yeah, I think it's so important. Absolutely. And uh, like a lot of orders, the Franciscans have a pretty great tradition of turning prayer into work. Can you talk us through the Franciscan tradition of doing that? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great question. You know, um, the, the catechism has this, this, uh, this line that, uh, we're not going to pray at all times if we don't pray at certain times. Mm-hmm. 
And, and my understanding of this is right. That's, that's echoing or referring to the words of St. Paul that like pray, you know, pray without ceasing. And, and so it's, it's the same for Franciscans as it would be for Benedictines as it would be for the laity. Like if we want um, an awareness of the presence of God, if we want um, to remember that the Lord is with us in what we're doing, like throughout the day, well, that's not going to happen if we're not being intentional and specific sometimes of the day. And so like for us as Franciscans, as uh, religious, we do specifically have scheduled in five times a day where we get together for prayer. And as that adds up, it's, it's close to, again, between four and five hours of, of prayer a day. But by like, you know, having two and a half hours of either prayer, mass, um, Lectio Divina in the morning. Well, now, now I have like, I have this conversation going with the Lord. And now as I go about my work, like there's, there's more possibility of that conversation with the Lord to spill over into my other work that I'm doing. And then when I return to prayer again, I bring, I bring to prayer what was happening in my day, who I met, the struggles I faced, etc. And so by, by scheduling in some prayer time, again, that's going to overflow into our work time and lead back to uh, our prayer time, which is this whole like source and summit of the Eucharist, but it's also sure. going to be true of, of the prayer of our prayer lives. Um, but I do think, you know, that's a, that's a very, that's a somewhat ideal proposal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so my, my cons, a principal concern of mine is that so many folks these days who are, who, who really are sincere, aren't being able to, aren't praying every day, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if we're not, if we're not praying every day, we're going to get, you know, most people aren't trying to pray all the time. They're just trying to pray sometime. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if, if, that that's I really would encourage folks to um, that that is the right struggle, like to, to struggle to get a, a little bit of prayer, uh, ideally in the morning each day. And if you got that, then we can start building out more in the schedule. But but I really I really do encourage trying to get some time in the morning as much as possible. Absolutely. And I you touched on it a little bit, but one of the hardest things with starting new habits, whether it's for spirit, the spiritual life or my case, trying to eat a little better. The problem with habits is you can start them, start them small, but within two weeks, are you going to stick to them? Do you have any advice for how you can stick to spiritual habits? For me, you know, for me, I couldn't do what I do without the brothers, mm-hmm. you know, and there, and certainly there are some people who just are very disciplined and, you know, they, they set their minds to something and they can, they can carry it out for an extended period of time. Sure. But most of us aren't like that, you know? And so as much as possible, it's not, this, this works in the secular space. This works in exercise. This works in, in diet, bringing somebody else into your journey. Um, it, like what that does as far as like how much that helps us in actually um, mm-hmm. sustaining our goals it's just, it's unbelievable how much more likely we are to be faithful if we're doing it with somebody else, as opposed to if we're just doing it by ourselves. And so that could be, again, um, that could just be like, okay, tell, you know, telling, it could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could Mm -hmm. be a priest. Like, okay, here's, here's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get 10 minutes of prayer in every day and you just check in, you know, at the end of the week. All right. We had seven days. How'd you do? Okay. Four, four out of the seven days, I got my prayer. All right, cool. Like, what happened those days we didn't get it? Can we adjust and, and, and keep going forward? So I, I do think 
inviting other people into the journey is often the, the means through which the grace will be communicated for us to be faithful to, um, to our goals. Excellent. As we're starting to get back into what we'll call the normal times, the here to four times a life <laughs> after COVID, uh, what would your recommendations be for f- people who want to have a more active prayer life and can have the option of their parish? What's just a good, like, okay, you want to start tomorrow? Here's the very first thing you do. Great. And so, you know, I'll kind of start from scratch. Please. And then, you know, I guess, you know, as if somebody's already kind of doing what will the first steps, then we can just kind of catch on is, you know, um, I would say it's, it's great to have some sort of idea. Again, this is, this is somewhat an ideal mm-hmm. and we're throwing a lot at, at our listeners. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so like, we'll just, you know, you don't have to try and make all of these, the incorporate all of this at once. Um, and to be honest, you should probably pick one, one to three things at most. Um, but I do think like having some, some daily, some weekly, some monthly, some mm-hmm. yearly rhythm to prayer would would be so beautiful and it would be so beneficial and fruitful in, in the life of the, the disciple, but also those that they walk with. And so, you know, all right. So if you're not praying at all, if you're not praying at all, can you can we try and get 10 minutes of prayer each day? Um if that can be in the morning, like that's, that's ideal. If it can't be in the morning, can it be in the evening? Where, where can you try and get 10 minutes of prayer a day? I think that's a great way to start. And once, once you've got there, you know, okay, like we're getting, we're getting, we're getting 10 minutes in the morning. All right. Wonderful. Can we do a little five minute check-in in the afternoon? And maybe a three by five exam would be a great way to do a midday check-in. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that going, okay. Like in the evening, when you get home, um, maybe before or after dinner, uh, can you just like, can you maybe, maybe read a Psalm or, or, or to have some time of intentions of intercessions of who you met in the day saying our father and then, and then have dinner, like, um, just the, and then maybe, you know, if you really want to like fill out the day at the end of the night, a little examination of conscience, prayer to our lady. And mm-hmm. even if you just have each of those take five minutes, like you've had the Lord in each part of your day and it adds up to 20 minutes and it's, it's a beautiful way to sanctify your life, you know? Um, and so I would just invite people to like, wherever they're at, maybe, maybe can you take one next best step with incorporating something like that? I think a beautiful practice is then one time a week, if it's possible, just to like turn, turn it up just a little bit. And so Maybe if you're praying 10 minutes a day, can you, can you get, can you get 20 minutes, like one Saturday morning or afternoon or Sunday morning, you just one day a week where there's a little bit extra prayer. And then like during your month, like, you know, can you schedule out a morning or an afternoon to maybe go for a walk to to make a holy hour, to read something spiritual. Um, And then, you know, like, okay, if we're looking at the whole year, can there be one, one weekend a year where maybe we go on a retreat? or you spend some extra time away from prayer. Um, I think so intentionality, scheduling, bringing somebody along into the journey, all of that can really help us very quickly incorporate some sort of prayer life, some sort of rhythm to our prayer. Now, uh, talking about just the spiritual life in general, there's, especially within the Franciscan tradition, and more so as you get into more monastic communities, there's an order of the day. Do you think the laity hat 
should incorporate some type of order of the day in their spiritual life. Yeah. And again, that's, that's, um, how, to what degree sure. one has control of their schedule is going to be, um, you know, very different across different people's state and lives and responsibilities. But I do think like, if you look at, if you look at excellent writers, if you look at excellent um, professors, if you look at excellent artists, if you look at excellent athletes or business men or women, I bet if you look at any of their lives, they are, they're scheduled and they're intentional with their time. And, you know, I'm sort of like kind of sports is kind of my background. And I look at some of these athletes, like the ones who become, who entered the hall of fames of their given sports, like they are, they are very disciplined and they're very ordered and they're very focused in, um, in their sleep, in their exercise, in their diet, in their free time. Like they, there is just something that um, excellence, excellence grows or excellence is the part of the fruit of order. And it's grace built on nature. Like if you do want to be um, to like, really, I think, live kind of a really full, robust, vibrant spiritual life. I do think some sort of order um, as much as possible is going to be beneficial um, while also admitting that, um, that that grace is given to our particular state in life. And so if, you know, it's like, if again, you've got like the four five, six, seven kids, you know, and the stuff's all over the place, like we can also have confidence that the Lord is coming to you and presenting you the grace you need in those situations. Um, mm -hmm. But, but if that, like, if you can, I do think the ordinary, ordinarily having some sort of form of life is just a general healthy human thing. Absolutely. Now, as we're wrapping things up, what do you think are the biggest obstacles for the average layperson in trying to deepen their spiritual life? Yeah, in 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 this year, um, there's probably oh, yeah. two. Yeah, there's probably two primary obstacles. Um, number one is we're 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 not plugged into some sort of community who we're really walking with. Um, you know, I do think I like again if if we're just if you're doing it on your own um, with sort of all of the distractions and all the different voices calling for our time or our attention it's going to be really hard to stay faithful um, and to really go as deep as the Lord wants you to go. If, if you're not part of some sort of faith community and shared discipleship, I, I, I really feel pretty, pretty strongly about that. And the second is, you know, I don't know all the situations of your, of your listeners, but the, the advent of the smartphone is, is very, and just kind of uh, ubiquitous Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. is really it's really doing damage insofar as there's always something easier uh more interesting and more entertaining to do than to pray oh, yeah. and um you know it's it's just i really think that um kind of binging on screen time or just really struggling in that area of life um is really it <laughs> yeah i think it's doing a lot of damage unfortunately sure. Uh, there's a lot of people who would agree with you that screen time's probably been one of the biggest civilizational mistakes we've made. But uh, just speaking of habits, I know for me, like trying to time and just make sure I'm keep being mindful of how often I am on my phone. 
I will still pick up my phone without thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking, I'm not doing anything. I'm just waiting for the bus or I'm going for a walk. And I, I'll suddenly realize I've been scrolling through my phone, not even paying attention. Yeah. Is there a way to actually even start to be mindful of that habit that we've all picked up? Yeah. And, and again, it's going to be different for each person. Oh, like, yeah. For example, there was, there was one priest who was talking about this, how he found that whenever he went to check the time he would check his his uh like his iphone or his smartphone and then he'd like he'd see an email or he'd check twitter or, or something else and all of a sudden five or ten minutes went by and, and all he needed to do was check the time and so what he ended up doing is he got he just got a normal watch and he found that something as simple as using a watch to check time instead of a phone ended up cutting down his screen time by you know 30 minutes or 45 minutes a day and, and so I think that's like a really beautiful practical example. Um, a lot of people are in the practice of, you know, uh, maybe leaving uh, their phone in a certain area or like, okay, so it's like, I'm not going to take it into the bedroom so that it's not the last thing I do at night or the first thing I do in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, and so that might mean, okay, you get a normal alarm clock as opposed to using your phone as an alarm clock. But those those little the little adjustments um, they're they're immediately fruitful, but they also reinforce this disposition that um, I want to be serious about the spiritual life, and this is a tool which can be helpful or it can also be harmful. And I'm gonna put I'm gonna have some like restrictions on it. I'm gonna use it intentionally and I'm gonna use it wisely. Great advice. As we wrap up in our thinking about the spiritual life, what do you see is going to be the the biggest challenges for laity to embrace the spiritual life in this next year or two? Yeah, that's great. That's, that's a great question. You know, Michael, I do think that the, and I've kind of said it and I guess I'll just you know, say it again. Uh, the, the primary battle that we're all facing is the battle for prayer. You know, that's the catechism mm-hmm. of the language. That, that's the language of the catechism, the, the, the battle of prayer. And um, it has in my mind, some of the strongest language where it quotes uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori, which says that, you know, if um, he who prays is surely saved and he who doesn't is surely damned. And it's like, you know, the spiritual life is a real life and we nourish the spiritual life through, through, through prayer. And, um, you know, like, it's as easy to say, like, you know, uh, whatever, uh, a plant that isn't watered and doesn't get, you know, sunlight will surely die and a plant that does will surely live. Like uh, um, the struggle for prayer I think is the most important and critical struggle for the life of Christians today and and next year and probably, you know, ongoing. Um, yeah, I just think that's like if we're not tapped into the source, um, everything else we're doing is gonna is gonna struggle. Absolutely. All right, and Father Mark Mary, if people want to learn more about you your order the cfrs or anything like that where can they find you yeah probably probably the best place to go would be um franciscanfriars.com um and that's that would be kind of a hub where you can find other books uh the podcasts etc um from the friars perfect we'll put all those links up in our show notes so people can find it but father mark mary i'm really excited for this book like it's lovely that you're putting the franciscan tradition in the hands of laity many of us who have need to have some new habits and some new ideas so thank you so much for joining us here and just giving us a little introduction to your new book thank you michael and i'm again thank you for for having me and inviting me to be on your podcast here